0: The Front Page Pass, brought to you by Word Journeys, the literary world's hottest new podcast. Fellow publishing industry expert and author, illustrator, designer, joined together in bringing you the latest news, discussions, and literary-related entertainment for readers, writers, and educators alike. All right, so we are the Front Page Pass, brought to you by Word Journeys Literary Services. Um, we're your hosts, Bob Yelling and Alexa Black. Um, So we are currently on episode three, and uh, to put it simply, we are having a blast doing this. Um, We've had some really intriguing guests on so far, Um, raving reviews from across the country, um, even over the world. Bob had mentioned prior that... Um, we've had some reviews from Switzerland, people, you know, from all over, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to say that you know this podcast is just great because it gives us an opportunity to talk and cover all facets of the literary world, mm-hmm. and that's what I think, you know, largely makes this appeal to readers and writers alike. I mean, so.
1: Yeah, and speaking of literary world, we, we cover, you know, we 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 cover all genres, mm-hmm. both fiction and nonfiction, et cetera. Of course, because both readers and writers, you know, we, we read everything. Um, and today's special guest mm-hmm. is Regina Merrick, mm-hmm. who is a up-and-coming and coming-fast and co- and coming um, <laughs> Christian fiction writer. She writes novellas, um, anthology entries, and also mm-hmm. novels, and as you can see by the small stack on her desk, and at the rate she's going, she's going to have her own library shelf pretty soon. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing production. So, um, and we'll, we'll be bringing Regina back in in just a few minutes. But in the meantime, um, yeah, we've had great we've had great initial mm-hmm. response to the show. Uh, we, we're already on ten platforms. Yes, um, YouTube plus nine audio platforms, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Play.
0: Yes, yeah, so you can catch us uh, anywhere podcasts, that's that's the most right. convenient to you guys.
1: Right, and um, so. Yeah, it's been just a really, it's just been really fun to hear what everybody's had to say. And of course, you know, we, that's what we do for a business. Mm-hmm. You know, we produce books, we edit books and so forth. And I've been, all, I've been tickled pink this last few days. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's not that often that as a book editor, I get a book where I care a lot. More, I, I'm, I'm in the book, mm-hmm. you know, and I have to remind myself I'm an editor and I'm actually editing a book like that right mm-hmm. now. It's called Point Doom. And it's set in Los Angeles and Malibu and Point Dume area 100 years ago. So to me, being from California, surfing, having surfed all mm-hmm. that area, it's uh, it's just really fascinating to just see what the place looked like 100 years ago when the entire LA basin had 100,000 people. Yes, and Now it's got <laughs> exactly. 10 million. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but one, you know, it's just it's just so much fun to see just what what humans can create with their minds mm-hmm. and. And that's that book. is by a man named Roger Clark, and you're going to be hearing more about this book because this thing's going this thing's going straight to. Publish. Yes, absolutely. I would say so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and so well, you know we'll, we'll be talking with Regina, as I said, in just a few minutes. But in the meantime, why don't you tell us you know some tips yes. and wisdom that you have? First. Yeah.
0: So something that I'd uh, delved into recently. You know, a friend and, uh, a friend of mine and I um, we worked on reading our manuscripts out loud essentially and just the the importance of that Mm -hmm. you know of that entire process Mm -hmm. because when you do read something out loud first of all you're able to um be able to flesh out your characters kind of their personality and make sure that the dialogue is authentic and that it's not so much like say for example, you're writing something that's from a completely different time period, like for example I'm doing medieval fantasy, so I wouldn't want my characters to talk like me and obviously some of the southern dialect may slip out from time to time and you don't know you wouldn't notice that until you do read it out loud, you know, like for example I can't I um consistently throughout the manuscript did say you all a few times, which is obviously y'all, you know, Mm -hmm. so uh, I don't think anybody in the medieval uh, realm would be speaking like that, but uh, (laughs) who knows, crazier things have happened, but anyways, um, and we really got to a point um, reading each other's books out loud and kind of fleshing out dialogue, you when doing that, you're able to find sentences that may be grammatically correct, but just sound weird or Mm -hmm. they may sound clunky or maybe a run-on sentence that you wouldn't have noticed had you not read it out loud. So if it's hard for you to read out loud, chances are it's gonna be a little difficult for somebody to read, Mm -hmm. to actually read. Um, But one thing that I feel like has really helped me like in the previous um, weeks and especially the past month while my friend and I have been um, exchanging our manuscripts and doing this and reading out loud to one another, is I feel like you've really reached the point as far as fleshing out dialogue in your characters. When you do a game, I guess it would be a game or a, um, something where you would take out the name of the um, of the character that's speaking completely. Just totally omit that. And when we would read to one another, um, we would we would read like a, a dialogue sequence where two characters were having a conversation, two or three characters even. And just um, just for that, the lesson we would take out who has said it and based on the personality that was displayed within each sentence um you know how, how it come out in dialogue when they're able mm-hmm. to pick up on that and tell mm-hmm. who the actual character is that's speaking without you saying you know like say for example in my book like Averick said or Demica mm-hmm. said those are two characters in the book when they're able to tell who is speaking without having those prompts there mm-hmm. um but yeah I mean what exactly do you guys do whenever you as far as reading out loud is concerned and fleshing out dialogue and the characters and let their, let their personality shine through, mm-hmm. so to speak.
2: I use that as part of my editing process. Exactly. I, before I send it to an editor, mm-hmm. I read it aloud mm-hmm. or I let my computer read it aloud to me. There you go. <laughs> I lost my voice reading it aloud one time. And uh, since then I've tried to protect mm-hmm. that. But yeah, it's a big part of my editing mm-hmm. process. In fact, I just finished reading aloud uh, the book I've got coming out in June mm-hmm. for the last time.
1: Yeah, and I, um, yeah, I, I read aloud as well. In fact, I every time mm-hmm. I talk, teach dialogue, I, talk, I say read it out loud. Absolutely. Because the and I learned this a long time from a neurologist that when we when we read out loud and, and something's read to us out loud, we hear it, but mm-hmm. but our brains actually computed as visu- mm-hmm. visualizing it at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we're reading out loud and it comes like you said, mm-hmm. comes across like you said, clunky then um, it's definitely going to be clunky to the reader. If it's clunky to us, it's going to be clunky to the reader. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's just a a really good point. And I think what happens is, you know, poets and songwriters always read their stuff out Mm -hmm. loud because that's the nature of the beast. But a lot of times, um, fiction writers, especially, you know, whether it's even short story writers, Mm -hmm. they forget that and they don't read it out loud. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, especially when we're trying to, get up and going in our writing careers or, or what have you, um, it's, it's just really important to have that. And, you know, I, I always say, read the whole book out loud, but like mm-hmm. you said, sometimes the voice crashes.
0: Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> yes.
1: But at least read some parts out, and at mm-hmm. least read the dialogue mm-hmm. out loud. Um, especially if you're dealing with characters like I do in my fiction, and mm-hmm. um, that are from different parts of the world or mm-hmm. country. Um, to get those, to get the enunciation right on the exactly. dialect and everything else, because that mm-hmm. all really matters. Because, you know, I remember with you know, one of my books, voices, the novel, my lead guitarist in my mythical rock band, is from um, the Cumberland Gap area of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that I know that specific dialect, and it's different exactly. than even here in Kentucky, sure. where, we're, where we where yeah. we are today. And what um, I, I, really tickled me, since I'm from Southern California, so you know. Um, what tickled me is I got two, I got two, uh, emails from people after voices came out and they're from Tennessee, they're both Mm -hmm. from Nashville. And they, they just said, how did you nail that? And Mm -hmm. the way I nailed it, which we, which, um, we're going to make sure we talk to Regina about when we talk with you in a minute Mm -hmm. is, um, I listened, you know, I just listened, 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 Mm -hmm. just, just, just completely listened. Um, like a voyeur, almost, and um, and I had it down, and mm-hmm. it worked, mm-hmm. and then I, you know, then get into the character and so forth, but I read it out loud to
0: mm-hmm. make sure, yeah. Yeah, that really does help flesh out characters and everything, yeah. and just, um, you know, so. Anyways, we're moving on to uh, Regina, so yeah. happy to have you here.
1: We have a special, very special guest today on this Easter week, and um, it is Regina Merrick. Welcome, Regina. Yes,
0: welcome. Thank we're very you. glad to have you here. Yes. Excited <laughs> nice to be
1: here. Yeah, and Regina and I go back quite a long way, as long as you and I do, I guess, Alexa. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we're Not the same. Yeah. Yeah, Regina, Regina retired as a library director a few years mm-hmm. ago, and since then, uh, you've been busy, really mm-hmm. busy. Um, you're the author, Regina's the author of the Southern Breeze series, which is effectively a trilogy, mm-hmm. um, which includes Carolina Dream, Carolina Mercy, and Carolina Grace. And she's also written a novel, Polly's Isle, um, in the, a Southern Breeze novella in the Coastal Promises collection, so it's already two different collections. Mm-hmm. Then she, her stories Renovating Christmas and the 12 Days of Mandy Reno were part of Christmas collections with the Mosaic collection. As was Heart Restoration, Book One in the Renovation Series, and Book Two, Rebuilding Joy, which we'll be releasing in Mm -hmm. June. Mm -hmm. Um, You've done all of this in the last four years, and it's it's just amazing. And we're ready to ask you lots of questions about this (laughs) and and your craft and how you weave. Inspirational messaging into Mm -hmm. uh, narrative, you know, fiction writing. Mm -hmm. But first, we'd love to hear you read a couple of pages from one of your books. Yep.
2: Okay. Well, I chose um, *Carolina Mercy*, which is the middle of the *Southern Breeze* series, and it's just a fun, a fun little scene at a wedding shower. Okay. It's from chapter thirteen. Okay. Every good wedding shower needs three things: good food, presents, and games. When she heard a groan, she held up her hands. Hold on a minute. I promised not to embarrass anyone, and I promised my big brother we would not play spin the bottle. She gave him a smart look. Lucy lifted a delicate brow at him. He could feel his face getting hotter and raised his hands in surrender. The first game is a kissing game. Hoots and whistles from the crowd had her holding up her hands. No, not one where you actually get to kiss somebody. I know better. I would hope so, young lady, Mom laughed. Yes, ma'am. Now, this game is different. It's called Worst Kiss, Best Kiss. So be thinking about what you want to share. Nothing graphic, please. Shall we start with the bride and groom? Lucy gave Sarah a batting eyelash look. Jared spoke up. I think it's only fair, don't you, Pookie? He pulled Sarah close to him and she gave him a bewildered and slightly hostile look. Pookie? He laughed out loud. I'm trying out pet names. (laughs) Well, you can stop with that one. She shook her head. Pookie, my foot. Jared's father raised his hand. "'I don't mind starting this off "'if it's all right with you, Charlotte.' "'Why, Mr. Brenton, I would love to have you volunteer.' "'All right, then. "'Worst kiss first. he thought a few seconds. "'I have to say, my worst kiss was with my sweet wife. "'Conrad Benton!' his wife jabbed him in the elbow, Mm -hmm. or with her elbow. "'Now, Lizzie, hold on right there. "'Remember our second date?' "'She giggled like a schoolgirl. "'I do.' I guess I should say that's my worst kiss, too. It so happened I had agreed to go on a date with one of the cadets in my father's unit, unbeknownst to me. Our first date was a dance, and we met at the tr- at the rec hall. On our second date, we were on the front porch. Conrad leaned in for a kiss, and the front light came on. When my daddy said, Tin Hut, soldier, Conrad almost took my lips off when he straightened and saluted. <laughs> The room burst into laughter. Jared was flabbergasted. Why have I never heard that story before? You weren't old enough, son. Conrad Benton gave his son a jaunty salute as they laughed together. The ice thoroughly broke and dating and kissing stories swirled around. Finally, it got to Tom. Great. That's all I need to have the whole community know my dating history. Tom, you can't get out of it. You're the best man after all, Jared teased. But there was a glint in his eyes. Sarah nodded in agreement. And Lucy will be next. The engaged couple looked at one another and nodded in unison. Fine. Okay. Worst kiss. Seventh grade hayride. Jenny Adcock braces on both parties. Get the picture? Groans all around. What about best? His baby sister had ended up next to him, and she slid her hand in the crook of his arm. He looked down at his sister, at the crowd, and after surveying the group, his eyes went straight to Lucy. Best kiss, last summer. Myrtle Beach Boardwalk, Lucy Dixon, and no braces. All eyes joined his as they looked at Lucy, waiting for her story. Would it match his? He wanted to look away from her, but he couldn't. It seemed she was mesmerized as well. Were there other people here? Finally, after chewing her bottom lip for a moment, she spoke. Worst kiss? All of them except one. Best kiss? Last summer? Myrtle Beach Boardwalk? Tom Livingston? definitely no braces <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well that's excellent um and you've read that so well such enthusiasm <laughs> 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 that really helped with the uh, the manuscript and everything so um but uh so uh, what I was wanting to ask was um you know uh what is your writing process like exactly <laughs> and you know are you the type to plot everything out or
2: do you kind of just free flow a little bit it, it's it's almost like every book I have written mm-hmm. I've started over again.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay.
2: It's like I've never done it before in <clears throat> some aspects. <clears throat> um, of course, you know, I like to read blogs and books on craft and try different things. Right. And and I've come across, you know, the signpost scenes and I've done that to kind of help plot <clears throat> out my story. And I've used the nine-step plot point. Yes. And uh, that has been good for <clears throat> me. I've liked that. It's not quite as many steps.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's um,
2: but I try to have the main idea mm-hmm. that I want the story to revolve around. But sometimes it starts with a character. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it starts with a place.
0: That's interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And staying on craft for just a moment, mm-hmm. um, you so you write Christian inspirational fiction, mm-hmm. which is very appropriate considering no. the week that we're in right now. And um, one of the things I was. I'm really impressed by actually is a lot of writers as a lot of writers tend to come into a book thinking I'm going to, whether it's Christian fiction or, mm-hmm. or horror, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. They come in thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely relay this message, this mm-hmm. message, this, this, and this, no matter what, I'm going to force it. It's going to happen. Yeah. You do the opposite. It yeah. looks like to me, um, where, your, your characters and their life situations and circumstances, then mm-hmm. that's when you come in with the inspirational messaging. Mm-hmm. Could you describe that process and how, um, and, and just how you're able to identify with your characters to the point where, you know, the messaging just seems so natural when it comes mm-hmm. out and needed at the time?
2: That's where the uh, by the seat of the pants writing mm-hmm. comes in somewhat. Even if I know where the plot is going, The characters can take over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the characters have issues that I've dealt with, issues Mm -hmm. that people I know have dealt with. And honestly, I just write the story and it just kind of comes in naturally. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as I, I think if I were going through this crisis, how would I feel? What would I lean on? What would I react to? Mm-hmm. That's all I can say about that. And a lot of times I don't pick a verse, because every book I have has a verse, a Bible verse. So. Oh,
0: okay, yes.
2: And sometimes it's after I've finished it before I can really choose that verse. And sometimes I have to go back in and sprinkle it through, yeah. you know, but it seems to always... So you
0: pick a verse that pertains to the actual chapter. Yeah, but not until after I know what the
2: story's doing.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and, and what I love about your writing, too, is... Um, you're, I just always come out, like, you know, I've read I've read parts of two of your books, and then I've read some of the novellas mm-hmm. as well. Um, I, I just like the way I come out with a positive feeling. Be- mm-hmm. I just feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and But you certainly put your characters through the ringer. <laughs> no problem there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, mm-hmm. um, I, I just love it. It's a really wholesome, It's you write really wholesomely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing, too, is the, uh, the, um, the dream mercy grace trilogy mm-hmm. and, and the book I pretty much read all of was mm-hmm. Carolina mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that storyline because you know, it's, it's like you, Ron says it on the back cover. There's, there's a hurricane and a wedding. And I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think that's two hurricanes <laughs> that he goes through hurricanes. That's an interesting, uh, yeah. and it starts a, with a funeral and it starts with a funeral. So True. that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting, um, convergence of mm-hmm. events. And, yeah. um, so do you do you plan out like to just kind of build on Alexis's question? Do you do you go in with the storyline completely planned out, or are you are you pantsing it um, as you go along? I know where it's going. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, when I was about, I'd mm-hmm. say a third to a half finished with that particular book, I went to a writing conference, and I was in a brainstorming session with some mm-hmm. unpublished and published writers and i was reading a little bit of it and one of the ladies said what is your character's wound? Mm. i said
0: hmm.
2: okay what does that mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and right. and so i had to think about that and then they said you're being awfully nice to your characters. Mm. you know that something needs to happen mm-hmm. to somebody. there has to be death stakes involved. And i thought oh Okay, so that's when I decided to drop a palm tree on somebody's head. Okay, you, you know, that's how to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's one yeah. way. So then I got yeah. to research traumatic brain injuries and all this good yeah. stuff. So, yeah.
0: That, yeah, that kind of pertains to a question I was going to ask mm-hmm. is, um, you know, since this is somewhat more lighthearted uh-huh. and, that, you know, that's how you are as a person. I mean, when you're writing those darker scenes, I mean, is there anything that you do in particular to put yourself in that mood or that, that frame of mind? I mean, you know, whether it's something you draw from or is it just something you do to uh, just to set the mood as a. As a writer, and get I don't know. I things. think
2: I just like stories. Mm-hmm. So, and stories right. aren't all happy,
1: right?
0: Very true. You know, mm-hmm. there
2: it comes and goes. And I, I like to really just kind of. I, I usually go through and do dialogue first. I, mm-hmm. I like to see what the characters are going to say to each other. Yes, and mm-hmm. that kind of maps out what happens. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm the same way. Um, whenever I wrote my book, I had to cut out quite mm-hmm. a bit of dialogue because that almost carried the story Yeah, you added some narration. <laughs> it's the most it's fun. fun. It is the yeah. most fun, though. It is.
2: I find myself... It's most fun to read, too. At the end know? of a book, I worry that I haven't put enough mm-hmm. description mm-hmm. and narrative in mm-hmm. because I concentrate so heavily mm-hmm. on... Dialogue.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I think there's nothing wrong with it, though. There are quite a few yeah. authors to well, know I, that I do was, that. So, like mm-hmm.
1: uh, a decade ago, or maybe a little bit more, I was teaching a writers' <clears throat> workshop in Tampa, and we were talking about dialogue, conversational mm-hmm. dialogue. And of course, with conversational dialogue, we as the authors have to literally be listening to the yes. voices and the intonations and everything of our characters. Uh-huh. They've exactly. got to be alive and kicking in our heads, right? Yes. And so I sat there and I described this whole process. How mm-hmm. you can, I as an editor, can always tell when. It, the, Characters are live and kicking and when they're not. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, and then some psych nurse was in, was in the audience mm-hmm. and she goes, you know, in my profession, <laughs> we would have another term for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even thought of it that way. But yeah. well,
2: it, it's really interesting because in, in the Carolina books, the, main, the first main character was Sarah. Mm-hmm. And it all happened because she had this dream. And then mm-hmm. it's kind of like this dream kind of came true for her. But in my mind, she is from western Kentucky, mm-hmm. where I came from, so she talks a lot like me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Lucy is her best friend, but she didn't move there until she was in high school. So, but she grew up kind of in Atlanta area, so she has an even more southern accent. Okay. And it can kind of go flat from time to time, mm-hmm. that coastal low country. Yes. And um, Tom grew up in South Carolina. Jared is a military brat. He has no accent
0: mm-hmm.
2: so it, it's just it's funny how you just yeah you know you have to think of it all those things it, when you think about what they're going to mm-hmm.
0: say and little characteristics like that could really help flesh out a character mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. I mean it that, that's what brings them to life yeah. and really helps with their personality and yeah. building that throughout I have so
2: many Yeah, worksheets. I was going
0: <laughs> to ask if, yeah, with so many characters you've deal, dealt yeah. with I was going to ask if any of them you know which one can you relate to the most? Like, is there any character that you wrote in particular that you you kind of wrote it from your voice, mm-hmm. or um, was it they, they all just kind of different aspects of your personality sprinkled throughout?
2: Somewhat. I mm-hmm. mean, I would have, I used to would have said Sarah. Right. Um, Sarah's <laughs> probably is the most like me, mm-hmm. but the one I enjoyed writing the most was Lucy, mm-hmm. because she is one of these girls. She's had everything, mm-hmm. but she's also a force to be reckoned with. And I don't know. She's she's funny. She's mm-hmm. cute. She's perky. She's the total opposite of Tom. So that's why
1: I enjoy her so much.
0: Yeah, and and she's
2: con- the opposite of Sarah too.
0: Yeah, and that contrast of characters can really make oh, it fun. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and yeah. also still staying on dialogue for a minute, since I know that you mm-hmm. love writing it, and you do too, and I do too. <laughs> we all we all we all really write. Should like, we write dialogues. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, no. Um, um, you know, one of the things it's, it brings, it brings up the point of listening, really mm-hmm. active listening. Like one tip I got early in my book writing career when I was living in New York City was if you want to hear how people really talk and they're, and they're raw and vulnerable, go to a Denny's at two in the morning and listen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. And so I used to, you know, and of course I was in, I was in lower Manhattan uh-huh. uh, and, and your, and your older daughter lives in Brooklyn right. now. So yes. she knows oh, yes. lower Manhattan. So I was down like right around NYU mm-hmm. and I and I went to a, a it was park city diner at like two in the morning mm-hmm. I did that it was unbelievable it changed mm-hmm. it, it and this was early when I was just getting going as an author and it changed the way I wrote dialogue
2: yeah.
1: mm-hmm. um, so and, but it's obvious through the way you write dialogue you listen very well too and yeah. it's, it's but it, when people talk about writing dialogue it's that's something that's not talked about enough mm-hmm. I really think we have to be really astute listeners mm-hmm. and you know uh, you know, or, I mean, listeners, teetotalers, whatever you want to call them. Not teetotalers, but voyeurs yeah. in a sense. Just, and you
2: have to get you know. over the fact that it has to be grammatically correct. Right. Because we exactly. do not no, we way. No, no, not at all. Right. And that's the one thing, you know, I have tried to do is to make sure it's authentic to what someone would actually say. Yeah.
1: Um, another thing about your Carolina series that I personally liked was I have, I have dear friends that live in Gowans Ferry South Carolina mm-hmm. which is on the road from Florence to Myrtle Beach. Oh, okay. Which is you're, they're, they're in your book. Yeah. That scene Just a that very south, area is in your books. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, the Pee Dee River's part yeah. of it. Um, and what what's the allure for you about South Carolina?
2: <laughs> it's really, it's really funny because the first time I ever went to South Carolina to this area that I wrote about was my whole family went on a trip for my parents' 40th anniversary. We all, you know, we got a house,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, you know, we rented a house, all of us together, and um, it was just magical. You know, it's like everywhere we would go. Polly's Island is an interesting place because it's a little closer <coughs> to Myrtle Beach than Charleston, but it's on that Grand Strand mm-hmm. between there. And where we stayed on the beach was right next to Huntington Beach State Park. And it was a residential area. There were no people there. You know, we could kind of cross over into the Huntington Beach State Park area. Mm -hmm. You could see the beach way down the line where it was crowded Mm -hmm. because that's where the opening of the beach was, you know. But it just spoke to me somehow. Mm -hmm. And we went back a few years later. We've been back twice
1: since then. Well, if you need to see Huntington Beach with people, go to Huntington Beach, California. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> About 250,000 so, people there. So yeah. that's
0: secluded. It just kind of felt like your a little yeah. slice of
2: paradise, It's one of so those places speak. that, you know, I've, there have been a few places in my life mm-hmm. that I think if I could live there, I would. Mm-hmm. And that would be the main place. Wow. Yeah.
1: Um, so you you have an interesting, really interesting career, not to mention you've been busy. I mean... The books, you know, the books that we see on the table, on the on the desk in front of us, have all been. She's published all of these in the last four years, which is an amazing output. Yes, um, especially especially for someone who had an entirely different career and then got into writing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the way you built your career, I find really fast, not only fascinating but also instructive, and the way to build a career. It for is instance, truly. my career. Is very vertical I mean mm-hmm. I decided when I started book writing I'm gonna get published by outside houses mm-hmm. I'm gonna get traditionally published I'm not interested in self-publishing I'm not interested in hybrid I'm not interested in anything else mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. you know it's kind of the you know the Leo wanting to be on center stage right <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of it um, so anyways that's how my career has largely uh-huh. gone although I've been delving in other areas since you on the other hand <laughs> have a traditional publishing contract you self-published, but then you also collaboratively published with other authors through mm-hmm. the anthologies and the and the four novellas mm-hmm. in Coastal Promises. Um, could you talk about how you built this out in just a few years? And was it was it um, intentional? Did it evolve? Did it just was it by happenstance? How did this work?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it evolved um, because I really didn't have any interest in writing. I'm a, okay, I take that back. I was interested in writing when I was a teenager. I tried to write the sequel to Gone with the Wind, and it didn't work out. Uh. <laughs> Scarlet and Rhett worked out, though. Okay. So that was well, the main thing. that's good movie. to hear. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Gotta get that right. Yeah. So, you know, I would dabble here and mm-hmm. there. Fan um, fiction
0: type of... Yeah, I, okay. I did
2: get into fan fiction. Mm-hmm. There was this one TV show. That's an excellent tool. It show. is. It really is. There's this one TV show that I loved. My sister put me onto it. And she told me about fan fiction after it ended before we were ready for it to end. You know, we didn't want it to ever. <laughs> yes. So I got onto the fan fiction. I started reading it and I thought I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I could do better than that. And some of them, some of them were amazing, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, I started writing. I, actually, I sent my first story to my sister in its entirety before I oh, wow. posted it because I mm-hmm. thought, uh, I need a beta reader first. And, um, so it was well received. In fact, there were three other ladies on the same fan fiction site who had a forum, a group, just a private group because they were doing fan fiction in preparation of mm-hmm. writing for publication. And um, and two of those ladies were published before I was. So you know that kind of started. and then we started the writing workshops. Then I found out about a writing group. And the leader of our writing group that met in Graves County, she and her husband decided to start their own publishing company. So she knew I had been working on Carolina Dream for like four years at this point. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I know they always say, never publish your first book. <laughs> but it was really important mm-hmm. to me. So I just kept writing it and rewriting it. And, I, you know, I, I started it a different way like five different times because my re- mm-hmm. writing group had one lady that was, she's deceased now, but she was excellent. She was the best crit partner you could have. Mm-hmm. She would just, she, she would give you all the positive stuff, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I took her advice and it, it made a big difference. Um, but that's how my writing got started. Uh, the Mail Rock Publishing company they decided to do a contest and my friend said enter the contest mm-hmm. i said oh i don't know enter the contest <laughs> so i was like okay right Lord, is that you too you know so i did and i was offered a contract and um, i already had the ideas for books two and three mm-hmm. somewhat they changed of course and i got a contract for each of those as well
0: it is kind of interesting uh, to yeah. think about. Like, in in retrospect, like um, Bob was mentioning, you know, and like you said, it took you four years to write your mm-hmm. first one. Mm-hmm. And then it's been, I guess, over a four-year span that you've wrote all yeah. of these. So, yeah. it's kind of an interesting it, contrast, it kind of really. You know, It, it was once, a little scary. Once you've got your foot in the door, though. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. It,
2: it was scary because I had, you know, all the time in the world. Right. For the first one. And then I had... Pressure here. was on. Yeah, the but
1: that's next. Right. a really, but that's a really good thing to, to bring out is that you once you got your foot in the door, you mm-hmm. didn't mm-hmm. sit and wait four years to write the next no. one. you ju- you right won't. because because and that's how publishing works. A lot of times, mm-hmm. um, when we get our foot in the door, that's our opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. You know, like the old the philosopher from the sixties, Carlos Castaneda, used to call it the cubic centimeter of mm-hmm. chance, mm-hmm. which is about how big it is. Yes. And, and, if you stop, and if you stop, you're gone. Right?
0: Yeah, you right. got to
2: maintain that momentum. Exactly. Completely. <clears throat> right. exactly. Yeah. So that's and that's hmm. where it has gone from there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, now the other thing is every time I every time I email you since we since we co uh, co facilitate a writing group. Mm-hmm. Seems like every time I email you to discuss what we're gonna do next, you're you're like working on three things at once. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, but, you, but not only do you write full novels, but you also write novellas, mm-hmm. so which is by definition under 50,000 words. Mm-hmm. And then you also write anthology pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, which form do you like the most? And um, how does that help you keep your freshness as a writer mm-hmm. to switch from one form to the other?
2: I was gonna ask the same question. Um, <laughs> I really don't know that I prefer one over the other. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some ways that a novel is easier because you can have more points of view, mm-hmm. you right. can have more description, more story. The first novella I wrote was the one, uh, Polly's Isle in Coastal Promises, and that's A I S L E, like wedding Isle, you know. <gasps> ah, yeah, good plan words
0: there. There's I actually a
2: little, um, a little <laughs> chapel on Polly's Island. <laughs> that I patterned it after. And we drove by it when we went last. I was like, oh, that's the little wedding chapel. <laughs> um, but that was the first one I did. And also the only thing I've done in first person, mm-hmm. we decided as a group, we were gonna do all of them in first person. Wow. So, oh, great. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, here we go. And um, I had never done first person. Well, you can only have one point of view when you have first person. True. Mm-hmm. So that means I had to delve completely into this girl's mm-hmm. mind and everything else would have to be through her eyes.
0: Kind of speculation, almost.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And you couldn't have anybody in another scene mm-hmm. because it all had to be where she was.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that was interesting. Now, the two um, novellas that I've done in the anthology pieces, they were all both about 20,000 words. Uh, they were connected with my Renovations. And it's Renovations because the last name of the people it's about is Reno. Okay. Oh, got it. Uh, All right. Yeah, yeah. So they, that was connected with them. So with that, yeah, I can only have two point of view characters, but I also had to pull in these other characters from the book, the novels
1: mm-hmm.
2: and fit them in in the timeline. <laughs> so <laughs> yes. you, know, you had to keep a timeline going. So,
1: yeah, and I would imagine with your books too, like we've been sitting here, you know, just really having shop talk as writers, mm-hmm. all talking about craft and things, which <laughs> is very important, of course, but it's also the overall reader reaction. Mm-hmm. And um, sure. so I would imagine, just from my own reading of your writing and knowing you over the years, You've probably had some really nice responses from readers about how mm-hmm. the, how your books literally move them. Could mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about a couple of the the, mm. the um, reader responses that moved you?
2: Well, the one that comes to mind first, I was at a, an author event at a library in Hancock County, which is on the Ohio River, mm-hmm. this side of Owensboro. Or is it the other side of Owensboro? It's close to sure. Owensboro.
1: Yeah, other side. Yeah,
2: okay. And very small town, about like Marion, Mm -hmm. you know, and small library. And it was, it's one of these things where library events are great if you don't really expect to sell a lot of books. Right. But it was also touted as a place for readers to meet authors. Mm -hmm. This girl comes in, young mother, probably about 27, 28, about the age of the protagonists I usually write. She came over and she hugged me. Oh, wow. she said when I saw you were gonna be here I got so excited I couldn't stand it she said my co she's a nurse she said my co-workers I would go in every day saying they finally kissed <laughs> 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 and this is That's about your first book Carolina Dream <laughs> 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 so she was so excited she had her little girls there and she you know she was introducing mm-hmm. me to these little girls and everything and and it just and she talked about how, you know, the things Sarah would go through and the things she thought just, you know, it made her feel good about her own life and about the way she mm-hmm. had dealt with some things, you know. So th- that's the main one that really just stuck with me because I had not mm-hmm. sold one book. Oh, wow. I had not mm-hmm. that night. That night. Yes. And I thought, this is such a waste of time. And then she comes in, and it blows it out. Of oh, way.
0: I bet that was so uplifting. To yeah, it Mot- really had motivational. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think I
2: had the second book that time, so she of course bought that yeah. one, and she brought her further one for mm-hmm. me to
0: sign. Yeah, and <laughs> so. early on to really have your work resonate with somebody. Yeah. I'm sure that's yeah. just you and, know. and it made me think, okay,
2: there might be other people out there. Mm-hmm.
0: And then here we go. Yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah, and then since then, of course, you've had quite a few comments from readers. Obviously. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. I would say.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um, so um, I was gonna, reviews are always welcome. Yes, yeah. I was
0: gonna ask, uh, like you know, concerning the process, the publishing process, mm-hmm. or just writing in general. Is there any piece of advice that you were given, like maybe a time you know when you were close to giving up on writing, perhaps, or um, just anything like any piece of advice that kind of moved you along in particular, or um, a, couple of kept you grounded?
2: a couple of things. A couple of things. stay healthy okay. is one. Um, the second writing conference I went to, I was asked for a manuscript from Harlequin, which oh. that's kind of I was kind of aiming for them. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, definitely. In fact, you know, from the year before, I had talked to them and they said, "Well, you need to cut this down to fifty-five thousand words." Oh, okay. So I had worked on it and worked on it, and and I was asked for a manuscript the next year, and we were in St. Louis at the time, and. I felt awful. I thought, okay, this is God telling me I don't need to do this Mm -hmm. anymore. I'm just done. I couldn't concentrate. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do anything. And when I got home from that conference, I found out I was severely anemic. Oh, wow. No wonder I couldn't walk across Mm -hmm. the street of St. Louis without having to stop and rest. (laughs) Um, And after that, and I realized what was going on. it took me a while, but I got that um, manuscript turned in. I got a very nice Mm -hmm. rejection letter. But... (laughs) Still, though but still i you know i was asked for a manuscript but stay healthy and another thing don't be afraid to try something new right
0: mm. absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, and and another thing don't overextend yourself <laughs> so
0: well i'm going to talk my next yeah.
1: question is about trying something new and overextending yeah. yourself yeah well, there we go yeah. <laughs> What is, what, what's the toughest scene you feel you've ever had to write and what was the most personally fulfilling scene?
0: Oh, Bob.
2: (laughs) Okay. The toughest scene I had to write. Probably during Jared's stay in the hospital Mm. when he nearly died. That was tough because I had never been that hard on a character before. That was, you know, that was that was hard, and mm-hmm. I had to do a lot of research for that to get it right. Because I thought, you know, nobody's gonna really care, but somebody might. Mm-hmm. The my favorite scene. It's probably similar to the ones I just read. The ones where people are interacting and mm-hmm. having fun, but they're kind of having these aha moments. Mm-hmm. Aha moments mm-hmm. are my favorites. Uh, there was another scene I was gonna read that I thought about reading, and. In my new book, Rebuilding Joy, the um, main character, the female, is a young widow with twins, mm-hmm. and the male character is um, a contractor. And their parents have actually gotten married late in life. You know, they were both widowed and they got married. Yes. So it's it's you know kind of in the family, but not really. You know, that's kind of a running gag all through the book. Uh, you're not my brother. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to hear you say anything about being my sister, uh, because it's weird. And, uh, but he takes care of her children one night and she comes in and he's, you know, they're sacked out on the couch and, you know, it's kind of an aha moment for her. It's like, you
0: know. There, I was gonna ask if are there any other genres that you would like just other outside of the ones that you have written before? Any any that you would like to delve into? That's kind of a total contrast from, um, let's say, you know, Christian romances. Yeah, is the main one that you like um, to write. So, right. Is there anything that you would?
2: I'd like yeah. to do more suspense. Yeah. Which this new novel has more suspense in it. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a kidnapping. So suspense and, or like a thriller, yeah yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know that's one good thing about. Mm-hmm the self-publishing thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you can kind of add some things that, you know, a traditional publisher, no, that's suspense. You can't have okay. that because this book wasn't, you know.
0: And it doesn't have to stay so rudimentary. I mean, exactly. you can kind of explore some Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes.
2: But yeah, suspense would be probably... Neat. I, and I love chick lit. I know. <laughs> I know, but... Yeah. Nothing
1: wrong with that though. No, there's not. So what? <laughs> so you just said one of the things you love. Um, what What do you love to read when you're just reading for fun? And what mm. do you lo- What do you What do you read when you're working on books?
2: Um, let's see. I read a lot of books similar to what I write, but I tend more toward mysteries and thrillers. Mm. Okay, and. The, one thing, you know, it's like I see all these books that I want to read, and it's kind of a so many books, so little time, and I am I try to stay kind of current mm-hmm. in the Christian fiction realm. Exactly. And it has grown so much. Um,
1: That's a number two selling category in, in yeah, publishing. It
2: yeah. Yes. It, it's it's crazy, it, and it has diversified yes. so mm-hmm. much. But mysteries and thrillers, um, I do like the occasional chick lit. Mm-hmm. You know, I I usually have a novel going that I read at night, and then I have an audio book that I read when I'm doing other. Oh things, wow, you okay. know, and it's usually a romance or mystery. I like Agatha Christie. I love listening to the person. Really <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was a great writer. Well, and plus, sir, I,
1: I like I like uh, when I'm teaching writing workshops. I always like, no matter what someone is writing, mm-hmm. that they I recommend reading. Either thrillers, crime thrillers, or mysteries, or a combination of the three, because Mm -hmm. you're always twisting the plot Mm -hmm. and you're always hiding hiding things and having to decide when to reveal. Yes, and you can't you can't do dead giveaways um, in your and Mm -hmm. and just really. I just feel it really teaches us as writers to be on our toes when we're writing our genre of choice.
2: Exactly, and and putting more suspense in this book, the editing process was so much different. Mm
1: -hmm. Huh? Yeah, of course.
2: Oh. And, and my editor kept pointing out plot holes. I thought, oh no, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I probably did more of a rewrite on this one than I did the one before that. Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Just to plug up some holes. <laughs> so, There's so many
0: angles that you're writing yes, from, though. so exactly. like, You have to, you know, count for every single aspect. Right. You know, in the in the plot, so if, you know,
2: it's, you would... is it Chekhov's gun? You yeah. know, if you have a gun in the first scene, you better
1: use yeah. it. Yeah, right. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah.
0: Any of those subtle things can make <laughs> yeah. a huge difference, Yes.
1: Though. Yeah, and you better have the conflict laid down in the first or second page, mm-hmm. or at least introduced, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, I was going to start our interview with you today that, with this, but I guess we'll do it now. Um, your your background, it's, <laughs> it's really interesting, and I think it's, I mean, it's like tailor-made for a writer. Um, first of all, we all know, because of your background as a school librarian and a library director and all this years and years of library science that you're not going to settle for a Wikipedia research uh, binge. (laughs) And so could you talk a little bit about how your years as a librarian and hosting writing workshops Mm -hmm. at the library, which we did years ago, um, could you talk about how all of that either directly or by osmosis prepared Mm -hmm. you? And then secondly, could you talk about um, just how the library background made you? has really helped you in your research mm-hmm. before you write your books
2: mm-hmm. um, it's I did not I did not become a librarian until my 30s okay I graduated from college late mm-hmm. I had started and then I had two children and thought you know but then I finished became a school librarian first I sub I substitute taught first mm-hmm. just to see if I liked being in that
0: mm-hmm.
2: realm because my husband was a teacher and I thought you know I don't want to just be a teacher because he's a teacher and because mm-hmm. people in my family are teachers. Right. And um, so I graduated and I got a job at a middle school, which I loved. Absolutely loved middle school age kids. Uh, but it was an hour drive, and I had a six year old and a, an 11 year old. So I thought, no. Well, I was able to get at the elementary school here and be the librarian there for four years. And I liked it, it was different it actually did not feed my soul the way I wanted it to, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> the way the middle school, because I love middle grade fiction also. So when the opportunity came to become the director of the public library, I said yes, because all through library school, that was kind of my goal. I want to be a public librarian. I want to work in the public library mm-hmm. field. Um, so I did that for 13 years and I did not retire technically. I became self-employed okay <laughs>
0: we'll leave that at that. yes that now
2: we got that straight <laughs> not down. old enough
0: to retire there you go
2: um, I tell people that retirement is when people pay you to stay home but no I had to do things to get paid um, being a librarian <laughs> especially in the public library you learn to answer questions if people are we had these guys that would come in randomly Mm -hmm. settling bets with their friends and we would look it up and find out the answer to their questions and it also it taught me research skills you know it's nothing for me to have my scrivener up with my Mm -hmm. writing and have the internet going and I'm going back and forth you know I know what reference books, what reference websites are good it's just It it has made a very big difference Mm -hmm. in my life as a writer. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I could see. I see how that would really help you hone your craft as a writer. Yeah, just just have those research and the tools at Mm -hmm. your disposal. Yeah, definitely.
2: But also, I was introduced in a big way to Christian fiction. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, it made me realize. I mean, I had read Christian fiction since I was a teenager, Mm -hmm. and it started out. You know, it wasn't even technically Christian fiction. It was Grace Livingston Hill who wrote in the, like, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) she was very prolific. And uh, kind of Christian fiction before Christian fiction was cool, you know. And uh, she introduced me to that genre of romance because hers were always romance and Mm -hmm. there was a little mystery involved. Well, then, when I was a teenager, the bonnet books, they like to call them, came out Mm -hmm. because they were always prairie novels, prairie romances. Love Comes Softly, you know, yes. all those. And I loved them. I read them voraciously. Finally, things kind of started expanding. And by the time I came to be at the library, well, in the time I was at the library, we went from one little section of books in Christian fiction to two sides of two whole rows. Mm, right in the library of Christian fiction and they were in all different subgenres. So that really gave me kind of a area of expertise even among my library peers. I mean, I spoke at a few library conferences about the growth of Christian fiction because I think a lot of people if they weren't involved in reading it, they didn't realize how big it was getting.
1: So when you do you find um, the readers of Christian fiction, do you find there are people I mean, I guess you find all sorts of different people, mm-hmm. but do you do you find it's not only people who, you know, it's a very familiar and comfortable genre to because mm-hmm. that's the lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. And what and, and living a life of faith. Um, do you also find people that are looking for something inspirational in their life or trying to figure out their lives, getting into it as well?
2: I think so. Mm-hmm. I think um, there are... People who are just looking for a clean read Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: and something that is edifying and they go toward Christian fiction. There are many people that read Christian fiction that also read mainstream fiction, Mm -hmm. just like there are guys who read only Westerns. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Uh, There are some that wouldn't read an Amish book if you paid them, and some that that's all they want to read Mm -hmm. because it's about a simpler. Life, mm-hmm. and I think that's what people are looking for with Christian fiction: a simplified mm-hmm. life of faith.
1: But see, I think I mean some of the Christian fiction I've read um, isn't that simple. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's more like they're looking for an inner life yeah. that's inspirational. It's not all dark and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's been one of the observations I've mm-hmm. seen with some of the books I've read over There's the years. There's some very gritty Christian fiction. Yeah.
0: Yes, there is.
2: Yeah, and and sometimes. Ten years ago, that wasn't as much the case. There mm-hmm. there are companies, publishing companies, of Christian fiction that literally have lists of things you can and cannot mm-hmm. have in right. their books. Harlequin being one of them. Mm-hmm. They have a, you know, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. You must do this.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and some of the more gritty ones do allow it, like say for a character, oh, just for example, a character that's going through a, I don't know, just... A drug addiction, or something, yeah. I mean, they're not going to yeah. make you cut things out just no. to maintain authenticity. Right. So, I mean,
1: well, I think it just depends, really. To me, it parallels with uh, with Christian music, mm-hmm. and, and then publishers have totally tapped in to younger generations, mm-hmm. yeah. In, and knowing that you know, like a 21 a year old uh, young man or woman isn't going to read a bonnet book, right? But, exactly, but exactly, but they'll read but, something about someone that pulled themselves out of drug addiction yeah. by reconnecting with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And or finding Jesus, mm-hmm. um, the but it's like it's just like Christian music. I mean, I've, I've been to churches in California, especially where it's just like, I mean, it is like heavy, it's heavy metal, yeah, full on heavy metal, yeah. but with but with the lyrics or where, where the faith is, uh-huh. right? It's yeah. not in the music because yeah. in, I mean, I li- when I was listening to Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin 70s, same stuff, <laughs> right? <laughs> Our church is more in so fact, than wrong. In, I got you. yeah, in fact, in fact, one of the, best, the most successful. Uh, one of the most successful Christian vocalist songwriters um, in hard rock was the lead singer of Kansas for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No wonder John yeah. uh, Escalante—I think his last name mm-hmm. is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just—I I just was wondering if you noticed that too. How, how, and, and do you feel that? I mean, do you feel that that does draw more and more readers in? The fact that it's getting edgier in some yes, ways. Yes, I think so. Because mm-hmm. there
2: have been people I've talked to in the past that they didn't want to read Christian fiction because it wasn't well written. Mm -hmm. And I think that's becoming less true Mm -hmm. because publishers are getting more picky. um, Agents are getting more picky. You know, they're not just going to publish you because you're a good girl. (laughs) Exactly. That's a good way to put it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, um, what a great interview! I know I've had a great time. Yeah, no kidding.
0: Gosh, and, we started out with the shop talk and yeah. didn't even get in the background well, until afterward. Really funny I, I should, apologize. I'd be remiss if I, was, I didn't
1: mention this. I was very known, eager to
0: ask questions. Yeah. yeah.
1: So. <laughs> now I'd be remiss in not mentioning this since I've known it for fifteen um, years now. Mm-hmm. Is that we we met when I was doing writing workshops mm-hmm. at the library mm-hmm. that you hosted, and um, but you also have quite the artistic family. Tell us about tell us about your husband and kids for a minute. Oh
2: yeah. Uh, my husband is an educator. Mm-hmm. He has been our entire married life. He retired from being an educator and then started working for the educational co-op.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he's
2: still an educator.
1: Slut, it's side return. And yeah. he's,
2: he is happy as a clam. He loves it. Absolutely loves it. I, I think if he were not doing that, he would really not be enjoying himself. He would like to write too. He has a family story that he would like to Hmm. put to paper. He can't decide whether to use it as a memoir or nonfiction or fictionalize it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, my oldest daughter, she got the bug and moved to New York. And people think that she moved there to be on Broadway Mm -hmm. or something because she spent her high school years singing and being in plays and all, but she didn't. She, she just wanted to be where it was. <laughs> so she's married, lives there, loves living there. Mm-hmm. My youngest daughter is an educator, also a singer. And a writer. And a writer, yes. Um, yeah. Right. So it's it's been quite a trip.
1: <laughs> well, it's been absolutely wonderful having you with us Thank today, you. Regina. And long time. time coming. I mean, I love talking <laughs> about writing with you and... And I always thought if we ever do a podcast, we're bringing. Oh, you in.
0: absolutely. No. Um, we you. talked about this well before we started the podcast. Yeah, we did. actually launched we did. it, Who so we're going to have Regina yeah. on. Yeah. So yeah. thank
1: you. All right. So the way we like to close our show, Regina, is to do the New York Times bestsellers. Mm-hmm. So we, we do mm-hmm. the top five in fiction and nonfiction, but since you're here, We'd also like to do the ECPA's top five Christian yeah. fiction bestseller list for this week. Okay. And um, as you know, there's gonna be a couple of real interesting titles on there. So, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> starting off with New York Times fiction, number one on the New York Times fiction bestseller list this week is Life After Death by Sister Solja. Number two is Stephen King's newest, Later, and I have no idea how many books he's had on the New York Times bestseller (laughs) list, but let's just say in the 30s. Um, Number three, which is interesting, is Dark Sky by C.J. Box. It's the 21st book in the Joe Pickett series, and C.J. Box has more New York Times bestsellers than any other Western writer since Louis (laughs) L'Amour, which is really special. Um, Number four is The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna, which was number one last week. And then number five is The Affair, Danielle Steele's newest book.
0: Okay. And the nonfiction titles are, number one, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster by Bill Gates, which that one has been on there for quite some time. Um, Cast by Isabel Wilkerson is number two. Number three is Think Again by Adam Grant. Number four is Untamed by Glennon Doyle, A Journey of Listening to Your Inner Voice, and it has been on there for 52 weeks. Um, And number five is Just As I Am by Cicely Tyson. So...
2: Okay. And the ECPA top five Christian bestsellers. Number one, The Harbinger 2 by Jonathan Kahn. Number two, The Harbinger, (laughs) the first in that series by Jonathan Kahn. Number three is an interesting one. It's Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers, first published in 1991. But there's a movie coming out later this year. And I've, I've been hearing really good things about it. Uh, number four is The Shack by William Paul Young on the bestseller list for almost 13 years. It's also a, a self-published novel. And number five, The Book of Mysteries by Jonathan Kahn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, it's been an absolute joy to it have you. Been. And thank happy you. Easter to you. And yes. to you. Yes. And to yes. you. Wonderful and, time uh,
0: talking with you, Regina. Yes, it's
1: just been a great show. Mm-hmm. And thank you all so very much for joining us on mm-hmm. Front Page Pass. Thank you for joining us at Front Page Pass, where we present everything from new titles to rocking interviews with best-selling authors and publishing experts, writing and editing tips, the latest on the bookshelves for readers, and live coverage of writers' festivals, conferences, and author signings. Our mission? To serve up the world in a thrilling, wonderful, and most adventurous new way.